Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. And on a week where Penn State goes wide out, we, without planning it, have gone blackout. Look at us go. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks, pre-Penn State edition. Mitch Fick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here. Breaking down the number 24 Hawkeyes, 3-0, heading to Happy Valley. Taking on the 7th-ranked undefeated Penn State Nittany Lions. Always a fun time when those two tangle. Thanks, as always, to everybody who's been subscribing and downloading and watching, consuming, spreading the word, however you have can and have. It's been really cool to see. Remember, uh, if you're just listening to this version, the YouTube version is where we've got all the video stuff. YouTube's a visual medium after all. So that's a really great way to really uh, up the ante in terms of your consumption. Of course, you get to consume Iowa Penn State on CBS 2, 6.30 kickoff on Saturday from Beaver Stadium. And oh, Mike's got, Mike <laughs> said there was a surprise. He found the soundtrack. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully there's no royalties to pay. But what a cool thing here. <laughs> Iowa was sharing some, uh, some really cool CBS factoids. This is the first game Iowa's had on CBS proper, the national network, since the, se- uh, the 97 Sun Bowl against Arizona State. First regular season game for them since 1986. What a great year that was playing uh Playing, playing Michigan. So it has been a minute, as the kids say, Iowa uh, 11-4-1 lifetime on CBS games, for those of you who have certain apps on your phone and like to make things interesting and look for any sort of advantage whatsoever. Uh, Going to be a, a fun game to have on the on the national stage. And, of course, uh, a really great show for you guys coming up on Eye on the Hawks at a, at a special time this week again as well. That's right. Uh, wait, what, what time is Eye on the Hawks this 530 week? 5.30 on Fox 28 <laughs> on, um, on Thursday. And then on Saturday, it's going to air at noon on CBS2. Have we had Eye on the Hawks at the same time in any shows this week? It's a wild <laughs> card. It's a wild card. Like it's it's tough because, yeah, Fox has baseball. So, and then last week they had a pregame show. This week they don't. So we got... A 5.30, so we're getting the lead into the baseball game. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's all right. That's Keep big. watching Fox, and you'll that's, see I That's big for the other side of the um, building, for sure. I, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of, across the board in sports journalism and broadcasting, we find innocuous stats that like really don't mean anything. I think the 11-4-1 record might be one of the most. <laughs> and, uh, These are things that matter. On the matter. network, whatever, who cares? Things that matter. Yeah, but uh, but that is interesting that we're going to be bringing it, uh, bringing it on our home Columbia broadcasting. There you go. Yeah, super, super There's cool. There's also some interesting stats in the Penn State-Iowa series. Did you guys see that on the on the game notes this week? I just know Iowa-Penn State every every time is going to be a little wacky. Iowa's 8-7 and seven all-time in Happy Valley. So That's they have wild. a winning record. Uh, Kirk Ferentz is 10-8 and eight against them. Yeah. And the series, um, since they joined the Big Ten, is 11 and 11. So yeah. I feel like nationally, you think Penn State is the better program. They probably got more history. Um, but it's been a tight series. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I feel like it, I mean, again, I'd have to go back and check the records and see who has a winning record against whom. But like when I think of the other perennial Big Ten powers like Michigan and Ohio State, I feel like Iowa does not play quite as well against them. But Penn State, they seem to always like find a way to come out and that's like one of the hardest games they play every time. And that might just be because Kirk still has that chip on his shoulder. He talked about that in Tuesday's <laughs> press availability. Uh, they apparently didn't recruit 200-pound linebackers who run five flats. That apparently wasn't in high demand uh, back in the Kirk Ferentz playing days. Of course, he had some fullback in him, too, moved there uh, as a JV guy up under varsity. But that's a, another story for another day. Our focus to start the show is who will not be making the trip to Happy Valley. Luke Lachey 
confirmed yesterday by Coach Ferens, had surgery for a lower right leg injury. Still not 100% on what exactly it was, but uh, it's something that's going to knock him out for the rest of at least the regular season and, and probably well into December as well. Uh, we knew it was going to be a, a, a rough spot. We saw the injury. Here's a, a look back on what happened against Western Michigan. We knew right away just the way that leg stiffened up, the way he laid back, that it was not not going to be good news. And so tight end U has an opportunity to really show how deep that tight end depth is as we get to see more of Steve Stilianos, Eric All, of course, transferring in from Michigan, Addison Ostrenga. Heck, Hayden Large, the fullback, he's a, a tight end from Dort. Maybe he gets some reps in there as well, but there's uh, Luke leaving the field on Saturday. Also missing the game in Happy Valley, Caleb Johnson and Jazz Patterson, your top two running backs. Of course, Caleb setting the freshman rushing record for Iowa in 2022. Jazz having his breakout game against Iowa State, then got dinged up against Western. Next man in for the running backs, too. We talked about this as well a little bit, that it, thankfully these are probably the two deepest positions on uh, in terms of depth chart for Iowa mm -hmm. because next man in is LaShawn Williams, who's been here forever and had the game of his life against the Broncos. You said it about three times, too, during the press conference after the game last week. Next man in, we heard it. I don't yeah, know. I know that, it's kind of like a mantra, a cliche, but the they actually live that. They yeah. do, yeah. And it's, it's always you're reminded of that when you get into situations like this that, you know, Train is a one. You're going to be ready when your your number gets called to be a one. And boy, Lashawn uh, Liddell Betts talked to to the media earlier here on Wednesday. I was on, on the call. was was working on another project that we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, reporters say that he said something about talking to Lashawn Sunday or Monday uh, after Iowa State, where he only had one carry of Hey, like you might be up sooner or later, so stay ready. He stayed ready, and boy, he looked every bit of it. I still would need a little bit of convincing to call Iowa. RBU. I mean, this, this program. <laughs> you said that, though, going into the post game against Western Michigan because you had eight rushers, including Cade. And then I think LaShawn like, dropped the, R the RBU. And I immediately looked to you, and you maybe had a little glint of a, a smile on your face. That's what I said. Uh, I, I mean, I, as great as they looked against Western Michigan, I mean, as, uh, as I think even LaShawn said, he, was, he said to the reporters in the room, y'all could have run through some of those lines at the, the, the O line. He's provided. really overestimating our field vision, though. <laughs> And athleticism and, I would and like general to see coordination. Scott Doctorman pad up out there, get some <laughs> get some pads on, tote the rock behind that line. Um, Who's but, the Iowa uh, reporter that would get the most yards? Now we don't have to go. Boy, that's that yeah, that's a discussion for another. John Bonkamp, uh, Bonacamp, a few years ago went to camp for a, at least a day, maybe two, with Western Illinois, uh, which was super cool. I remember that, and uh, boy, this is probably going back maybe a decade, but that was awesome getting to read his his first person perspective of going through fall camp. That is an interesting question. What? Who's the most athletic guy in that room? I don't know. Is it Chad Lystico? I don't know. He looks like even There's though a few athletes. In I know there. he said on his pod he used to do some sports. Yeah. Do like, some sports. That's I not used to so do athletic. Some sports. Yeah, he still looks athletic for his age. That's but that's a discussion anyway, for another day. Um, we'll have a decathlon at some point in the summer and I, we'll we'll get an answer. I, I, I still would love to see uh, you know, a little bit more out of the running back room. You know, it's gonna it's gonna depend a lot on what we see out of LaShawn Williams and Potentially Kamari Moulton on Saturday? I think definitely Kamari Moulton. I mean, it's he's a freshman, and, and we don't get to talk to true freshmen a whole lot, but when you have a game like he did, and, and then he walks into the post-game room against Western Michigan or after Western Michigan, you're oh, yeah, you're a baby. You're a yeah. child. Like, you know, he just <laughs> he, I mean, looks he, so he runs like a small. grown man, but, boy, you see him, yeah. and you're just, oh, he kind of has that all shucks uh, attitude <laughs> to him, too. Just so cool to see him show out. I know, again, Kirk doesn't bring in up a lot of players, especially a freshman, unprompted unless he's really impressed. He's brought up both Kamari and T.J. Washington, who's now 
RB3, and yeah. I, everybody's probably going to get a little bit of a tout and a tote because you're, you're going to need everyone against a Nittany line front. I have to think it's only a matter of time, too, before we see Hayden Large get some carries. I mean, there's, it seems like there's just one game where they're going to line him up there behind, behind the quarterback and let him pound one into the end you know, zone. Something interesting I watched on my rewatch um, during the game is that on spots where they had a fullback do a lead blocker, this was like three or four times, they had Eric All back there. Mm-hmm. One of Kamari's touchdowns. Uh, Eric was the lead blocker, got a really good CEO off on someone, and then they did two other times. So I don't know if that's just Hayden getting into the position of fullback or if they like put, if they like Eric. He's a good blocker. I think you can rotate everybody. I mean, it might as well because your tight ends are going to need to block. Your yeah. wide receivers are going to need to block. We heard that from uh, LaShawn talking about Devon. Devante, or Deontay Vines on that, that uh, screen pass as well. Yeah, and, and well, speaking of Deontay, I think he was the one who had the, the quote about Lachey where he said something to the effect of, you're going to have the yeah. you know, greatest comeback that Iowa fans have ever seen. And I am trying to dissect what he means by that if he thinks that, you know, Luke, you know, it seems like the possibility is out there that Luke could play in a bowl game, possibly, maybe, if, if recovery goes well. Did he mean that, or do you think that, Luke is considering coming back for another year. I mean, he could come back if he's NFL ready for sure, sure, but could he come back for another year? Would he? I took it just as Deontay pumping up his boy. Just like, hey, like, you're going to come back and be 100% no matter where you're going. Like, you're, this isn't the end for you. This is a, you know, Small setback for large comeback, things like that. But yeah. hey, maybe, maybe they know something we don't. Yeah. They usually I mean, do. Yeah, he, he made it. See, he he kind of said it in there that, that Iowa fans are going to be talking about forever, something like that. Right. So well, it'd be like, interesting to see where it, how this impacts his draft stock if he does leave. I think it wouldn't that much because if he if he's ready by next year, mm-hmm. I think there's enough tape on him that like yeah. okay, he's going to be like Sam Laporta and, and Hawkinson. He's going to be an NFL ready tight end. Sam so, Laporta also, I, I believe I saw the stat, he's the first NFL rookie tight end in history to have five catches in his first two career games. Mm-hmm. Almost like the Lions knew what they were doing <laughs> on this reach, on this tight end who doesn't have a lot of numbers. Anybody who's watched Sam Laporta and anybody who's watched any tight end coming out of Iowa, they know you, you're going to get your money's worth in yeah. that. So. But, you know, hey, for this running attack, whether it's throwing Eric all back as a fullback to block or anything, they'll take anybody. Enter Seth Anderson, whose, I believe, only touch against Western Michigan was a, a bit of a sweep. Apparently, that is not Seth's first go-round. It's one he's been waiting for for a while, and he is ready to offer his, offer his services in any way possible. You like being able to do a variety of things for the offense? Yeah. Any way I can help the team, I'm, I'm with it. So. Did, did you run at all at, at Charleston Southern at all? Nah. No? They wouldn't let me. I would, though. Okay. They, they would have got me some jet sweeps. I wouldn't complain. I was going to ask, when was the last time you ran a sweep? High school. <laughs> was that a common play at all? Or? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was used to my thing, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I like jet sweeps. Sure. So I'm glad they gave me the opportunity. Yeah, what was it like getting in the field like that and I mean, down the sideline and everything? That's a, that's a fun play. Scored, man. Yeah. Should have scored. I don't know. It was a good time though. I was just like, I can't mess this up. It's my play right here. I didn't get the ball, so I was like, I got to make the most of it. You know what I'm saying? What are you seeing from Penn State's DBs? I mean, that's that's a spot that's always going to have a good secondary. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good secondary, but we got talent too, so it's going to be a good game. I'll let the internet overreact to that statement there. And uh, listen, we, we've seen the sweep work really well for Iowa so far. Caden Weijin had those two big ones, and I think. I think I saw a stat. Caden's leading the NCAA in kick return average yardage. Wow. I mean, he's, yeah, I saw that too. Special teams have been really nice. I think they need to get the ball in his hands more, and not just on sweeps. Like I wonder. Throw quick hitters out to him or a slant. I wonder, really and this quick. is me with no basis whatsoever, so this works perfectly for the internet. <laughs> I wonder if those showed in Utah State 
they don't these last two games running with Hayden or with Caden, that maybe that that wrinkle comes back against Penn State as you're looking for ways to get the run game going when you're down two backs. If you do see a little more of the old throwback Paul Cheney stuff of let's get wide receivers going a little more on sweep. So you've got Seth, you've got Caden, or maybe you've shown those now that sets up a nice play action on, on yeah. something else. But it's it's in the repertoire and, it, and it's worked when you use it. I'd be nervous against this Penn State, a little yeah. more athletic front <laughs> to do like those. But if you can get him one-on-one in a corner, sure. I think, you know, maybe it'd be a good play. So we'll keep looking for ways to improve the run game, but of course with tight ends down or with, with missing Lachey, maybe that's an opportunity for the wide receivers to get a few more looks, a few more reps there. What a great moment it was on Saturday for Deontay Vines, a guy who's just been trying to get healthy, let alone get catches over his time in Iowa City. Gets his first career touchdown. We didn't realize this. We talked about on Sunday about how Cade didn't realize it was his first career touchdown. So I asked Deontay on Tuesday, finally got the chance to talk to him, about Cade not knowing about it and then about that moment and stumbled onto a, a, a revelation that that moment was built out of a time of mourning for Deontay. Right after we got in, I said, appreciate you giving me my first one. He was like, that's the first one? I'm like, yeah, man, took a little, took some games to get that first one. So, yeah, definitely it was cool to get there. What's that moment like? I mean, you've just been trying to get on the field and stay healthy yeah. for so long. Just to, to have that moment and spread the arms, that just had to be everything. Yeah, that, that was everything to me. Just, um, just a true testament of just, like, you know, keeping your head down and just keep working. And, um, yeah, my, my uncle had passed a week ago, so... That's why I got the pink hair and stuff like that. So when I put my arms up and I looked up, I was looking up to him because it just felt like I felt him over me at that moment. I'm guessing you had a pretty strong relationship with him. Yeah, that was, yeah he called me superstar. So it was a hard one when uh, he passed. But yeah, so it was, it was cool to finally get in the end zone a week later after he passed. And just felt like that was for him. Sure. Felt like a little divine intervention. Yeah, maybe. yeah for sure. Kudos to, to Owen for when I told him this story after we were in between players and, and Kirk saying Divine's intervention. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but that was great. And just, uh, boy, uh, again, a, a moment we, we knew was big, but we didn't really know how big. And boy, just uh, life unfolds in mysterious ways sometimes for him in, in a time of, of a lot of toughness to get that moment that he's been chasing was super, super cool to see on a day of first, as we talked about Sunday. Yeah, and, and a guy that, I mean, the, the more we talk to Deontay, I think the more and more everybody really likes this guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's just an easy guy to root for, super personable, super congenial with, with the fans, with the media, just easy to talk to, opens up, shares things. I mean, you know, he, he didn't have to share that his uncle died. Yeah, he brought ago. that up unprompted. Yeah, yeah I mean, so it, it's like he, he seems willing and uh, able to open up to us and um, just seems like a guy who is emerging as a guy that the fans are going to like a lot. Yeah, again, just he's, he's so fun to talk to. He, he just... Down to earth, obviously a really confident kid too, but just um, speaks his mind and shares himself. And, and you can't ask for much more from, a, again, these 18 to 22-year-olds who were, were inconveniencing sometimes on a, two, <laughs> on a late Tuesday morning trying to bug them about schemes and things from five days ago and all that, but always fun to, to talk to Yante. And, and certainly we're, we're thinking of him and his family right now. Moving on now to the X's and O's and looking at Penn State. It is the Nittany Lions. They're always, as we, I asked uh, Seth about, they're always going to have great DBs. That's not any different here in 2023. Drew Aller is really uh, entrenching himself as the starting quarterback and showing off as a playmaker. We know that backfield's great. They're always going to have weapons on the outside. Talked about, again, the, the DB matchup there. This is going to be a big one, I feel at least, for Jay Higgins, Kyler Fisher, Nick Jackson, that linebacking core, that front seven in general. When you got two backs back there and a guy like Drew Aller who can move around a bit, 
Nick uh, was ruined having to drop back in pass coverage so much. He's going to get a chance, I think, to play the run a lot. And maybe that plays into the stuff he's comfortable with after all his time at Virginia and, and getting so many tackles. That's, that's, for me, that's the key matchup is not Iowa's running back, so to speak, in the rushing attack trying to get established. What can this defense do against a really potent ground attack? And Pitt State is not pl- – I mean, they're 3-0, and as is Iowa, but they've not played an easy schedule. I mean, they've yeah. got two power fives on there in Penn State and – or, excuse me, in uh, West Virginia and Illinois as uh, two of their wins so far. Uh, Drew Aller, I mean, this just is indicative of how, how good he is as a young co- quarterback and how good that line is. Uh, four touchdown passes, zero interceptions through his first three games against, you know, a vaunted Illinois defense, as Mike was trying to tell us. as good as Illinois' defense has looked all year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, only been Illinois sacked. didn't play d- that bad on Saturday. They turned the ball over like four times, yeah. their quarterback did. And I think the stops are there. Sorry to interrupt, Owen. We'll get your, your thoughts in a second. I think this defense can get stops on them. I just think it's the, can the offense score against their defense? Yeah. That might be the key. Yeah. That My only last point I was going to make is that um, Aller's only been sacked twice this year. Um, I mean, he, we've talked about his uh, left tackle as a guy who I think I heard some doctorman maybe saying that he was a potential top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Um, so there's as much as they are could possibly get to them and that defense has been improving, I mean, that's – as tough of a challenge as they're going to see all year. Sure, and there's been questions about, well, Iowa doesn't have that many sacks this year. They've played a lot of up-tempo offenses that aren't going to give you a whole lot of opportunity to hit the quarterback until he's you know, on a draw or some sort of scramble across the line of scrimmage. Three teams that Iowa's defense has faced that are all different types of up-tempo, all a little, uh, little faster than your standard, uh, play with a little more pace. Of course, that Utah State game, still looking at that. So hot out there, wearing the black jerseys off the turf. I mean, that's, as you're going to hear from Sebastian Castro, drew the comparison to it being basically a whole game of conditioning. You had those three full games as this defense playing a little faster than maybe you're used to. Both Seb and Jay Higgins saying that might be paying dividends here, coming up against the toughest task that Iowa's had all season. This helps us get aligned quicker. Um, I mean, communication has got to be most important uh, when offenses are getting to the ball fast and I feel like we've done a great job over the last three weeks just some of the how complicated our defense is um, it can be hard to get all 11 guys on the page and I feel like we did a good job the last three weeks. The fact that the uh, first two weeks it was really hot um, I know uh, Iowa State wasn't as fast as uh, Utah State but uh, Utah State it was like it seemed like a conditioning day that day um, it was just, it was hot. They just kept on moving the ball as fast as they can. And uh, I mean, yeah, I know I feel a lot better. I feel like, <laughs> I was like, it really helped me for the, cause like this past uh, weekend, it wasn't even that hot. And uh, I mean, I feel like I could run for days. I feel like a, like a deer out there I could just run, run forever. Seb running like a deer. <laughs> Love to hear it. I, I don't know why I keep focusing on, on that, that Utah State game just the, the variables of, of the conditions and how fast that offense moved. I, I feel like Iowa, the, the parallel I drew to Kyler Fisher the other day when he kind of gave me a look of what I was doing. Iowa's defense has been in the on-deck circle, swinging the bat with a donut on it. And it feels like they've the reps they've had and the conditions they've had, I feel like maybe they'd be stronger than they, they are stronger than they maybe would coming out of a different three-game three, uh, three game non-con stretch just because of the paces they've played, that hot hot game there, that they're, they're conditioning. And you heard uh, Jay talking about just they've learned how to communicate faster and more efficient. Those are two things that may not seem like 
massive variables, but if you're in crazy conditions like a whiteout, prime time in Happy Valley in Beaver Stadium, those are the types of things, efficient communication and lungs, those can go a long, long way. You guys think, I, I don't know if we even could really speculate at the right answer to this, but do you guys like having, I mean, there's no question, I don't think, even even at the end of the year, we're not going to be debating this, that this is the hardest game on their regular season schedule by far. I think, yeah, from, from the no, beginning no when we had that that 23 schedule lined out, it's going to Penn State any year is going to be tough, but the fact that they're dodging Michigan and Ohio State, yeah, yeah I think this is the, the crown jewel. Do, do you guys, even just as whatever, fans, viewers, spectators, like having that game be early in the year, first Big Ten game, um, you know, first big test of the year early in the season, do you think that plays to their advantage being early in the season when, you know, Penn State is also is still kind of figuring things out? Or is it better to play that game later in the year when maybe the offense has progressed a little bit more and clicked a little bit more? The defense things have gotten figured out. But at the same time, possibly later in the year, you're a little bit more banged up. Maybe there's more injuries that happen. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. There's, you like yeah. that game. On the way home from Western Michigan, I made the argument that I'd rather swap this game in Wisconsin. Yeah, you because said that. Wisconsin's right. offense, I think, will be hitting strides later in the season because they're changing the whole, you know, the air raid or you know, whatever they're working on with. They haven't really clicked. They were down in the second half against um, Georgia, Georgia Southern. Southern. Yeah. Their quarterback doesn't turn it over. Yeah. And Penn State, on the other hand, our offense isn't clicking to I think its potential. So I think it'd be better off if we played them in the, in the um, later in the season. However, though, I I go back to our, my sophomore year in college in '09 when. This was our Big Ten opener at Happy Valley, and there was a whiteout. It's just a huge momentum booster if you can get that W. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But Iowa's offense struggled that night in Happy Valley, too. I, I did. went back and watched it, and, and Stanzi had two picks. He completed less than half of his passes, but his two picks were like, one hits Colin Sandeman in the foot and flies up. And it's just such oh, a yeah. fluky interception. Yeah, it was, and then the other one was tipped as well. Uh, I mean, that was a night where Iowa's offense wasn't, wasn't clicking on all cylinders by any stretch of the imagination. Daniel Murray had a couple field goals. You have Adrian Claiborne with the boom, uh, and Brent Musburger with the the great call on him returning that for a touchdown. Um, and then Adam Robinson had just a super tough run to to get. I think they were down ten nothing too early on, and they they fought Jazz back. Powell caught that one. Mm-hmm. Beat Amari Spave. Who beats Amari Spave in coverage back in '09? I mean, he went to the NFL, and so the, yeah, a minute and a half in, Daryl Clark hits him. They're up seven nothing. I mean, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for Iowa. So, um, in terms of just whether or not I like this game early or not, I think for this team especially that came in with a lot of hope that they could win the West and whatnot. You've had these three games where you've you've looked good at times in spurts. You haven't maybe put a, a full game, quote-unquote, together. How many times do you get full games put together anyways? This is, a, I think, a great spot just as a barometer of like, okay, you know this is on paper your toughest game of the year. You go to Madison, too. That's probably the, the silver medal there. Let's figure out where we are, and then we know, hey, if we're 0-1 or 1-0 in, in conference, we've got everything else ahead of us, and we – are able to sort things out um, yeah. from there. I kind of like that. It mentality. certainly works well as as that test or the barometer, like you say, because it doesn't have the Big Ten West implications necessarily. Sure. Um, so they're able to kind of figure things out maybe against Penn State. If they struggle, they know the things that they need to work on um, once they get into the games that you know truly matter in terms of getting to the Big Ten title game. Yeah. And uh, this will be the second game back for Jamari Harris, made his debut again against Western Michigan, 21 and a half months since his last game. He did say, uh, we got to talk to him on Tuesday and did come out and and had a bit of a statement that 
He was suspended for two games for gambling. He is back now, though. Yesterday was actually his birthday. I can't imagine having to make a, a statement like that and, you know, a, a bit of a sheepish way to, to spend your birthday, not the ideal. But um, Jamari, a 23-year-old man who, who stepped up and, and took responsibility for what he did and, and now had also kind of taken responsibility for maybe getting a little too ahead of himself against Western Michigan. Again, they had that long pass for a touchdown that was kind of between him and Xavier Wampa and said maybe he spent too much time getting too hyped up for the moment. I didn't ask him or accuse him of that. That was just him uh, uh, analyzing his first game back for himself and then talking about just that time away and, and what that has done for him, not just on the field, but off the field. Uh, Jamari Harris really getting introspective when I talked to him yesterday. As I said, I probably, I probably played the game before I played the game. Uh, I just tried to dive deep into the film. And I just, I, I think I, just went out there and tried to tried to do too much almost, trying to make a big play, you know. But at the end of the day, I just have to do my job along with everybody else on the field. The 10 other guys, we just have to do our job. At the end of the day, we'll be victorious. What did you learn about yourself in, in the time on the sidelines, not just as a, a player, but a, but a person? I mean, that's a long time away from, from the game. Um, you know, I kind of been going through tough circumstances throughout my entire life. So I felt as though just what I went through growing up made me resilient, perseverant, and ready for this for this journey. You know, I believe that the Lord gives his toughest task to his toughest soldiers. And I look I just I'm grateful for the opportunity and trying to win every day. Try to win every day. I think we can all take a lesson from that. I've really enjoyed getting to talk to Jamari a handful of times, just hearing from uh, Deshaun Lee and Cooper DeGene at different times about what he has meant to them, getting to learn film study and all that. We've talked about that quite a bit. But uh, Jamari Harris, he, he told me he's majoring in business because I asked him, like, you thinking about coaching at all? Because it sounds like you're you're kind of a natural at it. I know he's got big dreams for whenever football's over. He's, he's probably got a shot to do something as a professional there as well. But uh, Jamari Harris is going to be successful in whatever he does, I certainly think. And he'll, he'll be a key uh, against Penn State. Again, they've always got weapons on the outside. And, and boy, you want a bounce-back game, Jamari Harris might have an opportunity to have one there in Pennsylvania. It's easy for us to talk about um, just, like, the personality of these guys because that, that maybe is the biggest thing that just us as individuals bring to this podcast platform that we're trying to relay to viewers because <laughs> as much as we show them the sound bites, it's hard to convey their personalities or how a conversation goes or get a full sense of what that conversation is like. And so that's maybe the biggest thing that we can bring here. But uh, to your point, a guy like Jamari too, I mean, I think yesterday was my first time having like a little bit of not one-on-one, -on -one, but just like a up close type scrum interview yeah. with him. Um, and that too, just like him coming out and making the statement right away. I mean, another thing that he did not have to do, he'd, he'd already returned to the game. I'd honestly already kind of forgotten or like just not even thought about it. So when Matt Weitzel, the SID, said, oh, Jamari is going to say something first, I'm like, uh-oh, is he injured? Like, what's he even going to say? Like, I hadn't even thought mm -hmm. about that he might say something about his two-game suspension. Uh, but he came out just kind of open with that, saying, like, that it's a mistake that he regrets and, you know, uh, in his 23 years of life that he's made mistakes and he's going to make a lot more down the road, but he's just trying to whatever, learn, learn and grow, as they say in, you know, in, in sports when you make a mistake, and um, he's just trying to do that. But he, too, just in that moment, I'm like, a lot of 22, 23, 23 now, year old kids, a day. Um, what, uh, the, the, that would not be something that a lot of kids would know how to do, just come out here almost off the cuff, didn't have a script or anything, just came, came out there and, and said what he had to say.
Yeah, he's an incredible player. We've seen evidence of that, and yeah, the more we get to talk to him. And we, I mentioned this on Sunday of the fact that you throw helmets on these guys, put numbers on, and you can. it's so easy uh, on your keyboards to just diminish these human beings to what they're doing on a stat sheet. That's why I, I feel, especially like you said, with the YouTube channel, not to keep plugging everything, but giving you the visual representation of these guys without their helmets, just in shirts and everything else, just getting to, getting to talk to them like people because that's what they are first and foremost. Above all, um, they're just really great kids, young men to get to talk to and learn about and learn about their journeys. And so that's the best part about getting to talk to Jamari Harris and all these guys and Deontay, who's, you know, again, was so gracious to, to open up on stuff. It's fun to watch them fr- thrive on Saturdays for sure, but uh, getting to know them as people. and, and Question on Jamari's interview. I little behind the scenes to the audience. I don't go to those. Owen and Mitch do. When you guys were talking to him, did he talk about the breakdown of the touchdown and the second touchdown that was called back? Because they were both, you both know, him, yeah. did he go through that at all? Or The only thing he really mentioned to me, and I didn't, again, I didn't bring up any specific play or anything like yeah. that. The fact that he, he felt like maybe he was too hyped up just trying to make a play wherever. Yeah. And of course, anybody who's ever tried to do something really, really hard sometimes knows that that's the worst thing you can do. You have to kind of let everything come to you and you get a little too far ahead of yourself so that's the only thing he he really mentioned there and again i i haven't gone back and watched as much film as i probably should i'm not sure if those were zones where the safety needs to be helping or if he's man-to-man or or anything like that but um yeah you you take the lump so you don't make them again we saw that the defense as a whole against western michigan they give up 34 35 yards in the second half after getting burned on that first one so they'll uh whatever mistakes there are i've got faith in in phil to clean things up i I wouldn't be surprised to see penn state go go after him you know right away the second one to me when i was rewatching it looked like they were in man and jamari slipped yeah Unfortunately for the Hawkeyes, they got called back because there was a lineman down the field. And the first one, it looked like he was playing an underneath zone. And That's what I thought, too. Yeah. It looked like they were in cover two to me, but I'm, I'm no football expert. I don't know what it was called. Yeah. And I think X might have taken a bad angle on the tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a tough throw play to make as a DB regardless, you know, the corner route on the on cover two. But, um, yeah, I just was curious. I, no, yeah, I don't, I don't recall that really coming up too much. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, when, when we had that Utah State game week one, Deshaun Lee was in there, and they went after him right away. And, you know, he, he was able to shut them down pretty quickly and show that he wasn't going to be the guy they could pick on. Western Michigan came out, did the same thing against Jamari, and scored on him in, in that first quarter and um, had another touchdown that got called back later in the game. So, uh, as, as I said, I don't think it would surprise me to see Penn State try to take that same approach going after him and see – is this guy back to 100% yet? or is You expect he, uh, some rust you know, when you haven't played for a year. Yeah, yeah. And 21 I, and a half months. Yeah, been a long time <laughs> since Glad he got played. the reps, though, before this game because he's an integral part of this defense. That's why you do it right there. And uh, picking on him is why I, I my bold prediction preseason was that he was going to have more picks than Cooper. Neither of them have a pick yet, so who wants to win that race? Maybe someone uh, takes the first step on that against Penn State. Let's talk about the things that really matter, which is fashion. What a great thing this is going to be. Iowa revealing on Tuesday they are going to wear black pants with the white jerseys and black helmets uh, in Happy Valley on Saturday. Iowa not one to do a whole lot of uh, alternate uniforms. Rarely, if ever, do you see those from any team on the road. Uh, really cool thing. I know they've worn the black pants uh, against Minnesota at least once, maybe a couple times. Um, with the home stuff, I like the all-black look there, too. But I guess... The important question, again, as we get a, a look at the, uh, I think, was this the surprise reveal or the one that maybe, like, no, this was, this the, was actual the actual reveal. reveal yeah. So it there was a game announcement <laughs> on Sunday that was done in kind of like a vintage staticky way where there was a split-second look of, of Cooper standing over Beaver Stadium where the p- pants went black. 
and all these uh, tin foil guys out there. The, tin foil. I was going <laughs> to say the Leonardo DiCaprio once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, just doing that. Uh, I I like the look. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I think this looks infinitely better than their normal away. Yeah. I, I someone tweeted like before they made the announcement. Oh, they're going to do this and have like one of those photoshops, and I'm like. This looks so clean. They should do this for every game, and you always say that when you get alternate unis, but sure. I really dig this. Uh, I'm into it. Um, I, I am, like, a bad fashion opinion guy when it comes to <laughs> uniforms. Like, I like anything new or different, so, like, bring it on. If there's a new look, then I'm, I'm here for it, so um, I'm willing to default to anybody else's opinion, so new stuff. I'm curious to ask you guys, because... Uh, Iowa, as, as you say, Mitch, is not a school that does lots of alternate stuff, sure. alternate helmets, throwback unis, that kind of thing. You know, comparing Iowa to a school like Oregon, let's say, who basically has a different setup for every single game that they're sure. going to play all year, wh- which would you rather be at? Because personally, I kind of would like to be at a place where they have like different look and different things that they could break out each week. And that's how you crew it on Sebring, everybody. <laughs> uh, I, I like having the standard, I mean, the, the Iowa stuff, the, the line back before everybody started having black alternate jerseys was like, well, Iowa doesn't need alternates because they wear the jersey that everybody wants to wear to begin with. I, I would like maybe a little more with Iowa. I would, this is a great look. I would like the white on white. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike and I did too. If there's a white alternate helmet, I think that'd be wild. If you yes. with like the black tiger hawk and the white. I I like what Iowa has, and I like the the fact that the that the alternate uniforms and looks are are still more novel. You know, when they announced a little those, more special those yeah. those gold ones with the old the throwback wings for the Penn State yeah. game in 2019. Like, people went nuts for that. I love that look, and they've only worn them once. We were once. back on the morning show, and we had, like... That's right. <laughs> we had a we like, yeah, that was super, that was super fun. fun. Um, of course, do the players enjoy this? That's always the big question. I asked both uh, Jay Higgins and LaShawn Williams about their thoughts on uh, a little bit of a road uniform difference. Do you guys get as hyped up about black pants as it seems the, uh, the fans do? <laughs> um, I don't know. It'll be fun to change up the uniforms, uh Obviously, Coach Ferris is a big fan of the uniforms and big fan of the socks, so it's always exciting for us just to change some things up. Guys feel, do you guys get as hyped up about little things like that, uniform changes? Oh, yeah, we like we like little uniform changes, but, yeah, it's going to be a nice fit, and I feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to look good on us, and we're going to play good. Look good, play good. I mean, we saw it in 2017 against Ohio State. They rolled out with those alternates, and that's as good as Iowa's looked in yeah. any game in probably the last 10 years. <laughs> I mean, that... That game, I, I always draw the parallel of that, not the parallel, but just draw the conclusion that when Nate Stanley has that Ohio State defender hanging off his leg and he guns it in to TJ Hawkinson to put Iowa, I think, up three scores, that is as unbeatable and destructive as Iowa ever. <laughs> you could not do anything against Iowa that day. They were going to answer everything, and that was as dominant as I've ever seen Iowa look in that game. I don't I don't have a lot of opinions pre me <laughs> working here in, in Cedar Rapids when it comes to Iowa, but oddly enough, when I worked in Sioux City, I would come over to cover an Iowa game about once a year to stock up on B-roll and sure. highlights and stuff, and that happened to be the game that I came to was that Iowa-Ohio State game. <laughs> um, and so I got to be there for that one that I was like, what is happening? Like, who is this, this Iowa is not team? Iowa. <laughs> uh, so I got a firsthand look at that. Was was that the one? Did um was that Josh Jackson when he had the two? Yeah. Oh yeah, he had an awesome pack on you. And that was Ohio State had just come back and beat Penn State the week before. Yeah. That was the the JT Barrett game, and then they came into Iowa City and. But 
Iowa hits him in the mouth. Monty Hooker has the pick six, but they, it was the back and forth, and then Iowa just stepped on the gas. It was the, fun. Those helmets, though, that they had that game with, like, the little interlocking eyes, eyes all I, over. Oh, that's, like, time, my yeah. favorite helmet they've ever had. Those so are incredible. You, you maybe just answered this question, and, and Mike, you have probably a little more uh, historical knowledge of throwbacks, too. Favorite Iowa throwbacks, it sounds like, or throwbacks or alternates, it yeah. sounds like 2017 might be. I'd say that, that one for sure, as helmet goes, I think that that looks so cool. And um, But I'm all, as far as jersey goes, I mean, those feathers are, they're so stupid looking. They're so dumb. <laughs> How but I, dare you? But I love it. Like, anytime they bring those back, I mean, it's just such a great old the school. The banana Reeboks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, Mike? I really like the yellows that the yellows they, nice. they had for um, Penn State. But the one that Ricky Stanzi wore, I'm trying to get a photo. 2010, Paul, Ball State, when they won 45 he, yeah, okay, the gold got, helmets. Yeah. I've got a. They were just su- they were super simple, but those were, I loved those. Mm. I loved those Ball okay, State ones. Let me just bring it up. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's yeah the, the one, on one the of right. the quintessential Ricky Stanzi uh, pictures too. Yeah. Now I'll tell you what though, if they ever make a helmet like um, with this on it, I will go crazy. <laughs> There's been you're, you're talking about theories on the internet. Every Iowa football promo video this year for yeah for football, and I think they've done it for for more sports too, has ended with like the script Iowa in gold or with a gold background, and so there's been like. They're teasing something. They're they're teasing. I would yeah. Helmets like that. People love the the gold and, and script basketball jerseys. Yeah, if, if they rolled out those for like Minnesota or, or um, maybe Illinois or like uh-huh. one of those those later games, I think people would flip. So for the audio we'll listeners, I got a yellow helmet with a with a black Iowa you know script yep. helmet, and there's another one too, a black helmet. These were worn <laughs> like back in the seventies. That looks like that, that looks up. like a helmet sponsored by Swarm. That's a Oh, like that's yeah. what that looks like, right? Waverly Shell Rock. Uh, it's that's, a straight yeah, up Waver- like logo Hawks. Yeah, I think that is Waverly Shell Rock's helmet, possibly. But yeah, that is a swarm logo. Yeah, that's uh, you get you get a free six pack with that helmet, actually. <laughs> well, but that's I, what what I I was going to sorry just quickly point fun. this out too that what the great thing is about alternates is that like at least when I was at UNI they would do alternate things every now and then even like on the soccer team just like the um, the, the pink shirts for the breast cancer awareness yeah. type of thing and then they would auction those off right after the game and people could go and buy those and I'm like. My goodness, the amount of money that the university can make for, let's say, if you were going to auction off these helmets or jerseys and it all goes to the children's hospital, like they could absolutely make an incredible killing on selling those things off. Yeah, I, people like different, fun, cool things, and, yeah. and that's, that's what's so cool. It's always uh, the Colonels who are, again, going to start playing for a Midwest League title tonight. They uh, would do Twins Tuesdays, I think it was, where they would wear the old like powder blues, like that every team in Major League Baseball wore back in the '70s. Um, those are fun. I think they auctioned those off too. But yeah, give us a little nostalgia, and it's cool to uh, cool to invest in for I, sure. I think our last thing we're getting into is picks here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I've got them pulled up, and we can start once once you're ready. I, I had one more thing that's like very off topic, but something I wanted <laughs> to interject with and just discuss with you guys. So, uh, as I mentioned, Field Hockey Podcast now. Um, I went to the field hockey game last week, and afterwards they were announcing um, that they're trying to build a new facility there, right by the mm-hmm. field hockey building, where they're got, you know it's going to be all for like field hockey stuff, where they can do meals and all that kind of stuff, training rooms. Um, so they were doing a Q and A with some of the fans, and I th- a guy like spoke up with a question. I think he was a dad of one of the players, and so he talked about how he went out to the UNC game where they knocked off number one UNC, and he goes, "When I was there, there were two thousand fans at that UNC Iowa field hockey game." And he's like, the reason why is because, obviously, when you're at North Carolina in Chapel Hill, they have a system where if you, everybody loves basketball. And so they have a point system where if you go to all these other random events for different sports that are not basketball, 
you can get upgraded on your seats or get higher priority to get better seats at a game. And he's like, could because Beth gets the uh, interim athletic director was taking questions and he asked her like, could we implement something like that or is that something that we've thought about? Have you guys ever? Heard, that's like the most brilliant system I've ever heard of for a college. I love Have you that. heard of something that? That's like super. That I, I've never heard of it happening before, but yeah, I mean, to, really cool. to incentivize supporting the the athletic programs that don't always get the spotlight to then. Get yourself a, a little something Go bigger. Go to a gymnastics meet. That's Go to awesome. field hockey meet. That's Go to really volleyball. Awesome. A lot of these are cool events too. I've been to a baseball game, and those are yeah. super fun. I've been meaning to go to a soccer game. They just they always have it on Sundays, and I can't really get out there on Sunday. You have to have a big draw. Like I mean, with respect as a UNI alum, I can say that UNI couldn't pull it off because you know it's hard enough time getting people to basketball and football games yeah. there. But when you're at Iowa. Um, you've got the football games that people would like. If they knew that they could get a better seat to a football game, yeah, sign me up to go to a volleyball yeah. game. Sign me up for field hockey. That's super cool. By the way, speaking of, of sports like that, they announced this week that uh, there's going to be a new gymnastics and spirit squad facility. The first program I ever covered at the University of Iowa in college was Larissa Libby's women's gymnastics program. And I remember her 15 years ago saying, like, boy, we really – We'd love to have new facilities. It'd be really great. Um, Annie Zatowski, who's one of Mike and I's uh, former coworkers, she was an intern here. She's now uh, tearing it up at, at Queen City News down in, in Charlotte. She was a Jim Hawk and, and one of my dear friends. I So to Coach Libby and all the Jim Hawks and all the Spirit Squad members, congratulations. Long time coming to get those facilities. And uh, again, championship programs across Incredible the board there. program. I mean, when you go into the into Carver and you see the banners, like they're an NCAA tournament team basically every year the gymnastics squad is. They're great. And I know your Hawkeye top seven, they, you're starting to wrap up. There's some gymnasts on there too as, as well. There should be in, and field hockey players and, and all sorts hockey. of athletes. That's been so cool to, to watch that countdown because you're reminded of just Hawkeye athletics goes far beyond football, basketball, and, the, and, and wrestling, certainly. A lot of wrestlers, of course, too. But fun to see the Hawkeye history unfolding there. Now we turn to the Big Ten West in our picks for this week. Uh, I am trailing because I stumbled out of the gate, then went went supernova and now struggling again. I'm but back. here we go. So uh, I'll be playing catch up here the rest of the year, three games back of Owen and Mike. Leading 12-2 and two so far in 2023. I'm sitting at 9-11. This week's action, the Big Ten, starts on a Friday night in West Lafayette, Wisconsin, a six-point favorite heading into Purdue. Not sure if we know what Purdue is yet. Not sure if we know what Wisconsin is yet, but Tricky who do we game. like up there in, in, in Indiana? Uh, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> th yeah, this is a real, like, I don't know. I could see this as a trap game that like Purdue could come out and scare some people. I kind of like Purdue in this game. I, I, I think Wisconsin will win, but I, I could see Purdue keeping it, you know, kind of coming down to a last-minute field goal or something like that, keeping it within six. I'm going to take Wisconsin. I think Purdue's wins are against weaker opponents. and One win. Yeah, one win. Yep. <laughs> They've only got one win. Um, so, yeah, I think Wisconsin will, will figure it out, at least in this game. Yeah, this is tough. This is really tough because I, I still think Hudson Card's going to be really good for Purdue. Tyrone Tracy, again, has is, is shown out, former Hawkeye. Um, yeah, I think the easy pick would be to, to fade Wisconsin again. I, I think if you play as they gave up, Georgia Southern's quarterback had five picks in like <laughs> two and a half quarters. Um, I, I think for them to be able to not be able to move the ball as well as they did on offense and still be able to figure it out at the end and, and pull away from Georgia Southern. I think Wisconsin maybe gets their heads on straight a little bit here, so I'll, I'll take them to cover as well in, in uh, 
West Lafayette. I would not be surprised, though, if Purdue uh, gets their act together and, and makes that one close. Going into uh, Saturday afternoon, Florida Atlantic visiting Champaign. The Illini are 1-2 and two after that close win over Toledo in the opener. They've dropped back-to-back -back games to Kansas and who did they play? Penn State. Week? Penn State, of course, yeah. Um, what do we like? Do we think the Owls can cover against the Illini? I'll go first. I, I think Illinois gets back. This is going to be one of the first easier games they play, I think. Um, don't know much about Florida Atlantic. They lost to Ohio by seven. They lost to Clemson by 25. Ohio's a good they team. They just lost yeah. Casey Thompson for the season, mm. former Nebraska quarterback, went out mm. with an ACL injury. So they'll have, they'll have a backup quarterback as well out there. Another reason to pick Illinois. <laughs> yeah, just to wait until these guys tell me what they think about these teams before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for the insight, Mitch. Uh, yeah, for uh, a lot of those reasons, I mean, I think that Illinois, um, I mean, I'll be Get off. Get right game. What's that? A get-right get right game. game. Get right, yeah. Uh, I'd take them, too. I mean, uh, I think that Mike told us, I thought that you were done picking Illinois, but um, I'll stick with them this week. In real games, yeah. <laughs> I'll take the Illini, too. Luke Altmeyer, you see seven picks, and maybe your eyebrows goes up a little bit. He had uh, more than a few last week against the Nittany Lions. He's a great player, though, and I, I think he and Reggie Love can, can get things going and, and cover that 14-and-a-half for the Illini. Nebraska hosting Louisiana Tech. Matt Rule finally got his first win as Nebraska's head coach last week um, against Owen's favorite team, Northern Illinois. Uh, tough spot there for Rocky Lombardi and the Huskies, but uh, Louisiana Tech rolling in 20-point dogs in Lincoln. Do we think they, we, we, uh, they can cover? I'll start with you, Owen. Um, I th <laughs> We've got four games to look at for Louisiana Tech. They had a week zero game. They're 2-2 two and two with wins over Florida International and Northwestern State. Um, uh, don't say that name on this Hawkeye podcast. Hawkeye favorite. What's that? What's don't that? say that name on yeah, this we podcast. Don't talk about, we don't talk about Northwestern State. <laughs> uh, we do talk about they just Turn. lost to North Texas, Hayden Fry's uh, school before coming to... Man and Green, Dan, baby. Dan McCarney coached down there. Dan right? McCarney yeah. and former City High quarterback uh, Andrew McNulty scored the first ever touchdown at Apogee Stadium there uh, when it first opened up. He was a, uh, played quite a bit for the Mean Green. So there's your, your Mean Green history. Um, I Yeah, I would say certainly Nebraska will probably win this game, but I think Louisiana Tech can keep it within 20. I'm going to take Nebraska to cover. I think this might be one of the, the flex on them games. They really uh, finally got over the hump and got a big win last week. I, I wonder if they can, they can do that again. Minus 20 there. Please and thank you, Mike. Whoops. Yep, minus 20, <laughs> not plus. I'm going to take Nebraska, too. Um, speaking of losing quarterbacks, I believe Louisiana Tech lost their starter, too, uh, on a shoulder injury. He got hit late in that game. Uh, the backup came in and did – score 14 points, so maybe the back was better. Who knows? Who knows? Um, they were down by 14 when he came in. But I think, yeah, I, think I got Nebraska on this one. All right, kicking off at the same time as Iowa and Penn State. Minnesota at Northwestern. Gophers coming off their first loss of the year at North Carolina. Never easy to go into Chapel Hill and face, face Drake May and the boys. Gophers are a 12-point favorite there in Evanston. Northwestern coming off a big loss uh, also down in North Carolina. They lost on the road to Duke, 38-14. There's not a lot of weeks that I'm going to be picking Northwestern this year. I think that, uh, yeah, Minnesota wins it comfortably. I'll take Minnesota to cover two. Darius Taylor is really, really good. True freshman out of Wald Lake Western in the state of Michigan. Um, boy, I thought, thought it was going to be Sean Tyler coming from Western Michigan leading that Russian attack. Darius Taylor has, has really made that team his own. I think Nathan Kaliak-Manis maybe gets a little more on, on 
the same page with his receivers. He struggled a bit the last couple of weeks, but I'll, I'll take Minnesota to cover. I think Minnesota wins, and it's not close, but I I do think that Northwestern, I think it's a low-scoring game, so I think they win by like 10, but okay. I think Northwestern covers. I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in the Minnesota offense to do much other than uh, get, get what's needed in this game. All right. Here we go to Happy Valley, Iowa, 14.5-point dogs on the road against Penn State. Owen, can the Hawkeyes cover? Can the Hawkeyes win? What do you got? I was a little surprised to see that big of a spread in this game against two teams that are 3-0, both ranked in the top 25. Uh, we all, I, th- I forget, if, I guess, if we all did, but when we made the preseason picks game by game. We all did, yeah. We all picked Penn State. Yep, yeah. I picked, yep. Um, yeah, I still would bank on them winning that game but 14 and a half seems like a really big number i think yeah you got is that fair you got me iowa iowa keeps it within 14 so i will say i listen to a lot of national college football stuff the cover three podcast cbs they're pretty good and uh, you know some other stuff too there's not a lot of faith and i think we since we're we're covering the team and, and we see them day to day i think people still think this is the old iowa offense and to some extent like they're not highly rated in the offensive marks, yeah. uh, I think it, it can improve to be better. But I think that the narrative out there is that Penn State is a more complete team, which I would agree with at this point. Um, I do agree with you, though, that I think this is going to be closer than a lot of people think. I think Iowa's defense get a lot of stops yeah. against Penn State. But um, the real question mark is whether we can take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, again, Penn State wins, but I'll, I'll take the 14.5 points. Uh, same for me. I'll take Iowa to cover. I don't know if if they'll win, uh, this is my only loss that I picked for Iowa in the preseason. But more often than not, they're going to play close or they're, they're going to win outright. Uh, Penn State does have a couple big wins, 2016-41-14. I think Kirk alluded to that one uh, a couple times on Tuesday. 2012-38-14, uh, um, Penn State won in Iowa City. Same with that, uh, or the 2016 game was in in-state college, but... Uh, yeah, I think Iowa, again, that's a huge spread, and I think the Hawkeyes can cover that. And again, as we saw in 2009, under the lights in the whiteout, your offense doesn't have to be clicking on all cylinders to figure out a way to win in Happy Valley or against Penn State because, again, Iowa-Penn State, and you'll watch it at 6.30 on CBS2, just show up and figure it out. That seems to be the, the formula for Kirk Ferentz and company against the Nittany Lions, the, the chip on the shoulder, even if Kirk says he's over it. Maybe that's... Uh, Still knocking a little bit. What do you hear? Oh. Is the music coming? I, oh. saw, I saw the logo come out. Oh. It's <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Oh, wrong, oh, wrong the, the CBS, Wrong sounder. The CBS stuff. There you there go. There we go. Like, and, and the royalty, that, it was good that it was late. We, we don't have to pay as much royalties <laughs> now. So there's our picks. There's your kickoff time. Thanks again to everybody who's been supporting and, and liking and subscribing and everything. One more time on the social plugs, Twitter, Eye on the Hawks, the Iowa News Now YouTube channel, and Instagram pages where you get more content there. Don't forget, it'll be a a quick turnaround, uh, all things considered for us, but that live Sunday at noon recap of the Penn State game. I mean, that thing's going to wrap up at 9.30. We'll have a a quick 14-and-a-half-hour turnaround to to get things figured out. But, uh, again, get in the comment section there there on Sunday at noon and and interact with us and your questions, observations, anything like that. Need to have the back and forth to really make that thing fun. So please and thank you to everybody who's already done that and uh, everybody who continues to support. Again, uh, this thing doesn't grow without you. So we really appreciate that. For Mike, Owen, I'm Mitch. All we got to do now is play the darn game. That'll happen at 6.30 on Saturday on CBS2. We'll see you Sunday at noon with that live edition of Eye on the Hawks.